Hi everyone, uh, welcome back to We Know Everything. I briefly forgot the title of our show, which meant we didn't know everything for a brief second there, but we're back to knowing everything. Um, I'm Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Gabby. I know that. I know that much. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Charlotte. And welcome to our podcast. We're going to prove that we really don't know everything. Um, so for those of you who know us and um, love us, treasure us. Um, the, po- <laughs> the podcast is split into two halves. First half, we talk about a um, topic just as fresh, mm-hmm. how we know it, kind of showcasing our knowledge um, from years of expensive education. <laughs> very expensive. <laughs> and what has it resulted in? Dabbling Let's in find various out. degrees. Yeah. And then the second half is after we've done some extensive research. Um, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and we come back and correct ourselves. We provide sources. Bibliographies. YouTube links. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything you might need. I'll defend Wikipedia again. So this is a special podcast because hovering in the background is actually an expert in a topic we're going to discuss. Should you be closer? Um, yeah, sorry. I need to be closer to my mic. That was me whispering to Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Talk to the mic. Yeah. Um, We'd like to welcome. We haven't got a mic for him because the Patreon supporters <laughs> need to really up their game. Guys, please follow us on Patreon. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> yeah, come on, mom. <laughs> we need an extra mic. <laughs> yeah. So Mitch. Support us. Um, Mitch Ganley. <laughs> what? He's pointing. He's scared. What Are you going to tell them how if they pay... As Patreons, and oh. they to be throughout oh, yeah, that's true. If you actually paid, you'd be able to hear the Mitrometer. You can hear <laughs> how strongly or not so strongly Mitch agrees with our knowledge on this particular subject matter. So Mitch is completing his PhD on the topic that we're about to discuss. So he's about to learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get your pen out, Mitch. Yeah. Something that we thought was very on trend at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um is vaccines. We all have them. Love them. Not a lot of us love them. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't all have them. No, we don't. Yeah. Um, And I think there's a lot to unpack here. How do they work? Anti-vaxxers, that's an interesting topic to go down. Yeah, it is. It is. How we're all (laughs) anti-vaxxers accidentally at some point or another. That's true. Well, yeah, we we, we both have been. I saw the thing in the news that this morning they like filmed that whatever 90-year-old woman in England who got the first COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, I saw this too. Yeah, I read the title and I got all the information <laughs> I, I needed. saw the title on Reddit. <laughs> I will probably watch the video later. Oh. But I didn't want to sully this podcast with any Do you like, want to watch the video? Is that going to be interesting? It's an old lady getting stabbed with a needle. Yeah, it's historic. Okay. <laughs> That's what you're into. Yeah. <laughs> it might kill her. <laughs> so is that why you want to watch it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they rushed this. Okay, Gabby, you're going to be losing all the elderly podcasters <laughs> yeah. right now, which I'm sure there are many. <laughs> I feel like the vaccine came out of nowhere as well. Um, I feel like it massively did. There was a pandemic. Um, what? <laughs> I heard nothing about it. <laughs> it was not on my radar. Yeah, Gabby, Gabby has not noticed coronavirus. So how much has she noticed about vaccines despite never having done a PhD on them? Gabby, what is a vaccine? Mitch, this is where you need to be paying close attention. So a vaccine... He's left, by the way. So. <laughs> no, I think he's in the, in the living room. I think he can still hear us. Um, if we had... If our Patreons kicked in, <laughs> we could bribe Mitch and stay. Yeah. <laughs> Give him some money to stay. All right. My most academic response to that is a vaccine is a preventative measure to stop you from getting 
can't come and give this bit's not hard. <laughs> Later on. <laughs> yes. And they give you a little bit of the disease to make you immune from it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. I, no? can't, I can't hear Mitch laughing. Yeah. I don't think that's how that works. I'm pretty sure it is. They give you a bit We of- can't see Mitch. It's kind of annoying. They give you a little bit of the, vac- of the illness and then your body's immune system fights off that. And you know how once your body's immune system's fought off something, sometimes you can't get it again. So that's how it works. It's like your body's immune system fights it off. Now it's learned how to do it. So when the disease comes again, it knows what it's doing. Mitch right. is slow clapping. <laughs> We're getting a slow clap here. I'll do it closer to the mic. I'm well, a genius. Obviously, we can wrap well, this up here. Yeah. <laughs> we know everything about vaccines. Go on Patreon <laughs> to hear that clap, but from Mitch, not me. Well, I thought that was the, the case with some vaccine. I didn't think it was the case with all of them. Okay, so maybe we, maybe we do not know everything because I thought I don't know any vaccines that aren't that situation. And how that works, I don't really understand. Like, I don't really get why giving someone a little bit of polio. Like, how wouldn't much? just infect them. Wouldn't, <laughs> like, wouldn't just give them polio. polio. Yeah. Well, I guess it does give them polio, but it gives them a manageable dose of polio. Mm. How does that work? Like, can you give yourself a little bit of cancer? No. It spreads. Don't well, things grow and, like, get worse and spread? But I guess not if your, body, if your body fights it off, it doesn't. So why doesn't that work with cancer? Okay, they obviously have like, to why be more we, to it. It can't just be giving yourself it can't just be, a little bit amount. Like, then, then vaccines would be easier. That's you true. just give a small amount of <laughs> the virus. <laughs> and give it to people. <laughs> and give it to people and then they're fine. You just yeah. microdose people with COVID-19. Oh, so a vaccine kind of works like herd immunity. No, wait. Mm. You know, like if enough people's bodies learn how to throw off the virus... I'm worried that we're moving into the territory of talking about viruses as opposed well, to vaccines. Well, immunity is kind of a little bit different. Like you've had it and but then you become how, immune but that's how and then you works. become a human shield or a human wall. But that's how a vaccine works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just without you having to establish the immunity yourself. No, no, but you do. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see how this works. I see. So I, I give you a little bit of COVID and your body fights it off and then your bodies learn how to fight it off. So it's like... You learn how to do a dance. Next time someone says, do the robot, you know how to do I it. this analogy is doomed <laughs> from the very beginning. I would say it's one I'm of the worst analogies I've ever heard. In this analogy. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Then why is it so hard? Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> just... yeah. Oh my God, Mitch. <laughs> this is just easy. Wrap up the PhD. <laughs> you just get a, hard. get a needle, get a very small amount of snot from someone with yeah. COVID. <laughs> Eat it. Somebody else. And you're good. <laughs> and then you're good. Yeah. So I guess it's And then you lick someone else. So obviously just giving someone, like, is the, tr- is okay, so is the problem how to make it small enough? Or is the problem, there's <laughs> <laughs> a problem, what is, how to like, not make it, not just kill you. Yeah, how to make it not just kill you and give you the disease. Like, how do they, like, why was it so hard to invent, and why can, and why are some things you can't vaccine against them? Like, some things it doesn't work with, right? Like we yeah. haven't invented vaccines for, like we just like AIDS, right? It took us. Maybe it's happened like really recently. They have come up with a cure. 
I don't know anything about medicine. This is my, my biggest flaw in life. Because <laughs> I can't pronounce most medications. I don't know how it works. Like, I don't understand I'm anything a doctor is telling a lot me of them. at all times. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no idea. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like what makes this boring is that I don't have enough knowledge to even have a crack at what I think this is. See, this is how be. I felt when we were doing transparency. Spoiler alert, we recorded a podcast on the subject of transparency. Not like the adjective, but like why a window see-through. And it was so boring that we just dropped it. I felt like I did know more about that. So I'm going to insert the transparency where I like explain it very well so everyone doesn't think I'm a complete idiot. Into this point, please, Pablo, yeah. put that bit of the podcast here. Ed so we can all see talk me talking about transparency and not seeming like a complete idiot. Audio of Gabby knowing something about transparency and not seeming like a complete idiot. Not available. Um... So, yes, I don't get why you can't vaccine against everything. Are all vaccines little versions of the disease? And is it like a mild version? How does that work? Like, how do you, what does it mean when it says you get a a little amount? Disease is not the same thing as a virus. And a virus is not the same thing as a condition or a... Doesn't virus fall under the category of a disease? I think, and this is going to sound really ignorant. Good. (laughs) Okay, no, this is going to be very... No, no, say it, say it. I'm excited. (laughs) I think a virus is sneaky. (laughs) Okay. It comes in and impersonates. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Gabby's confused viruses for actors. I don't know. (laughs) No, but I think there is something about that. I mean, like, that's definitely the case. I think. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Where it comes in and that's how it's able to spread because it comes yeah, it in and impersonate, oh. impersonates and attacks your immune system. So a virus, it's sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fact check that. It's a, an X. It's a microcade impersonation and a, <laughs> a vaccine is so sneaky <laughs> that you can spot the difference and know that it's Michael, not Michael Caine. You know, and then your body is high, like hyper aware of what Michael Caine actually sounds like. This sounds right. (laughs) I think. No, but I think, I think it is the difference between like. I think this podcast has proved that what I do know (laughs) is how to make an analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think that there's just different ways of like, not everything. It's just a disease that can be cured. Yeah. Like, so why can't we have vaccines against cancer? Well, cancer attacks your cells. So, so, So cancer, I think is a mutation within your cells that spreads. Why don't you get immune to cancer, but you get immune to viruses? Or you sometimes get immune to viruses? Because wasn't that a thing with COVID? was like sometimes people would get it and then get re-get it potentially. And Because you know how generally if you get a virus and you fight it off, you fought it off, you don't get it again, but sometimes you can. And they were worried that COVID was like that. Definitely not the case with cancer. No. <laughs> you make so immune to cancer. We can agree that there's a difference here with cancer. Yeah, no, I think viruses attack, like... <sighs> They're sneaky. <laughs> They're sneaky. <laughs> well, hmm. I've got, like, weird graphics in my head that I think, 
that I would have watched on like a year 11 biology class that I can see like a little diamond shaped thing with legs landing on a circle and then like squirting something into it. And I'm like, mm, I think that was I'm a, seeing that same th- graphic too. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a and virus. I have no idea what I'm looking Do at. Do viruses put their DNA into our cells and well, make our cells, when they replicate, they replicate the virus's DNA? I think something like that. That's what I was yes. going to say. I think because like, I think with cancer, it's not like you contract cancer from somebody else. No. I think it's no, a no. mutation. You definitely don't. You, it's definitely not contagious. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a virus that comes into your body. It's not like a foreign object that comes in and starts attacking no, you. No, it's your own body. It's your own mutating. body attacking yeah, you. Yeah. And it's just that your cells now have an abnormality and they kind of grow and sometimes it can be contained. And But if it's not contained, so thinking, So linking this as to why a vaccine, so why the method of putting a small dose of cancer in your body wouldn't work, the answer is because with a virus, You wouldn't your grow body, the same kind of immunity maybe to it because it's your not body, a foreign object. It's not a foreign... Yeah. Um, so like with a vaccine, your body learns what the virus's DNA is or learns what? It can recognize it, oh, but serious. But uh, but like in saying that, I feel like a cancerous mutation. In knowing nothing about this, I don't need, need <laughs> don't feel like I have to keep saying this because it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but just in case you guys thought I was an expert in knowing about this, if a cancer, if <laughs> don't laugh at me, I'm trying to learn here. Sorry. <laughs> um, with cancer, mm. is if it is a mutation, it sounds like there is a change in. The makeup, it's DNA. There is something different in terms of how it then replicates. Whose makeup? Yours. So, like, your cell is now replicating wrong. Yeah, yeah. And it's copying mm. itself. So, it's still attacking kind of like the makeup of what a cell is. Right. It's just doing it in a way that is not favorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sneaky. It's sneaky, yeah. <laughs> I think if you read a medical journal, you'll find the word sneaky. <laughs> it's just you. Impersonating and sneaky. All right. So we don't know. This is good. All right. So huge questions here. Well, what are the questions? What is, what is the difference between cancer? Well, what is cancer classified as? Is it, is it a disease? Yeah. 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 So you have diseases, infections. Okay, you viruses. have viruses, yeah. you have... So viruses, hey, viruses are aliens, right? They're from outer space, maybe? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You were doing so well. I'm so happy you said that because you were doing much better no. than me. Why do I... I mean, the whole point is just to take what weird fragments of information we have and expose them. So I'm exposing this fragment. I have a fragment of information which says that maybe viruses came from space. Where did that <laughs> fragment come from? I don't know. Out of space. <laughs> the idea came from a virus. That's in my brain. Well, where did COVID nineteen come from, Charlotte? Space. <laughs> space bats. Space bats. Yeah. In the wet markets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. I think a virus has. That'll to, be my first I think thing to fact check. But it I, has to break the like like uh, the species wall. Like it has to, you know, in order. What? So the. the <laughs> It comes from, like, it's something else. It comes from another Planet. species. <laughs> not, not an alien, but, like, another species that we've, like, I mean, that's that's the case <laughs> with a lot of things like AIDS. AIDS is thought to have come from monkeys Oh, initially. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then COVID-19 oh, is thought right. to have come from what you mean. bats so and you're saying animal from that Earth, I can never remember. Earth-based animals, What is that? What is aliens. that? Pal- pal- paladin. Paladin. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to say an animal? 
Pig? What's the animal that the um, COVID nineteen came from? It was oh. like a bat. It was like two animals that were stacked oh. on top of each other at the oh, wet market. Really? And that's how I think that. That's how they how think that's that a rare occurrence. That should be a podcast. That, uh, how does squashing two animals together create a virus? No, no, you're not <laughs> squashing any two animals together. All right. So COVID nineteen, as far as I know, and this will be fact checked. <laughs> is what you were saying? The a bat caught squash with a paladin. <laughs> no, it's not. A, what is the name of the animal though? Penguin. A paladin. Pangolin. Oh. Um, so there was, you know, the wet markets What's in China. You know what a wet market is? No. So you know what China is? <laughs> All right. So the wet markets are basically it was live it's animal like, it's like markets. A meat, yeah, yeah. It's live animal markets, but for exotic animals. Yeah. So there's quite Ugh. a big, uh, like, obviously, there's a lot of money in the. Uh, culinary Why must exploits. rich people keep trying to buy ex- God, they're the worst. Yeah, and unfortunately it's become illegal and then made re-illegal several Ugh. times because obviously there's a lot of money, a lot of lobbying for the wet markets. <sighs> but um, the wet markets is the only – we've like kind of manufactured this condition where these animals are living in close proximity and in awful conditions that yeah, they yeah, wouldn't yeah. normally before. So you'd have something like a bat – you know, in a cage and on top of its cage, there's a cage with like a cat and then another cage with a pangolin. And um, essentially the top cages, all the fluids, you know, all the blood and bile and pee and poo just slide down in these conditions. And that's how a virus from one species could cross the species line to another species and then cross again to humans. So someone had to a situation. eat one of these animals for us to get COVID. I don't think they had to necessarily eat them, just come in contact because it, it spreads through droplets. So maybe come in close contact with them. Maybe we should have a different episode about how viruses are formed. Yeah, I mean, we should have probably tackled that before we went to vaccines. <laughs> yeah. We went to, we went to, what is, what is a pangolin? <laughs> it would have been a more like. I don't know what a pangolin is. It, we'll leave it. We'll research it. It's a scaly weird animal. Oh, you're ruining the fun for me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> scaly weird animal. Yeah. Why were you in Wuhan? <laughs> yeah, so I was in Wuhan, China. And yeah. so I think that's one of the few. And I think at the time they were doing a lot of research around different strains of coronavirus that were in bats in the area. And I think that uh, it, it mutated enough from crossing the species line where it became dangerous. I don't really know yeah. what works there. That's okay. There's a, there's a huge knowledge gap there. Okay. And yeah, that's yeah, the only yeah, place yeah. in like, the Like what you've told me has not really made me think that me saying that you squashed two animals together was wildly incorrect. It's not. It's more like one animal infecting another that yeah, then yeah. infects so a human. They're going to be squashed together to do that. So they have to be they're squashed close. together. Yeah. yeah. But the proximity <laughs> is required. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a weird chimera. So we're going <laughs> to... Yeah. yeah. So it's not aliens. It's other species. Well, I'm still... I'm going to have to test out why I have that thought in my head. So we don't have the immunity because we're not bats and we're not pangolins. <laughs> so well, we don't have the immunity to deal weird with and these... scaly, so... Viruses. You might be immune. <laughs> so we have to create our own Hang on, let's not go immunity. Into- and that's where vaccines come from. And that's what I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> everything else is crystal clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So ending on a high note of crystal clear knowledge and discovering what a pangolin is, um, we'll go research and find out what a vaccine is. Yeah, and what a pangolin is and how to pronounce it. <laughs> and I think Mitch has probably finished his PhD now. He's so also you're probably, welcome, Mitch. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> He's probably very disappointed and that's fine. That's what we do here on All the right, podcast. All right, well, you'll hear from us soon. Yeah, and um, please – oh, no, actually we'll do this in the end of the second half. Never mind. Patreon, Patreon. Patreon, money, pa- money, money. money. <laughs>
microphones, <laughs> mums. Thank you. Degrees. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> it's Charlotte and Gabby featuring cicadas, and we are full to the brim with knowledge on <laughs> yeah. vaccines. I always, I've always discovered so much about myself when doing the second half of yes. the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What did you discover? I discovered that I'm not a doctor, <laughs> <laughs> and I never will be. <laughs> I discovered the reason why you will not be a doctor. <laughs> um, yeah, normally you know more than I do when it comes to anything in the realm of science, broadly speaking. But, but any- I did know more about vaccines. Yeah. Um, and I think I came to this conclusion during our allergy. Are you close enough to the microphone? Oh, yeah. I think I came to this conclusion during our allergy podcast as well. Allergy. Oh. Do you remember we did allergies? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's a lot of crossovers between this and allergies. Is there? That I just totally forgot about. Well, let's dive into them. Um, <laughs> I just said I that know. I forgot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's not. <clears throat> let's not. Yeah, so um, we had to re-listen to the first half of the episode and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud because I used a lot of analogies out there and we laughed at them and I think we were insulting towards them at the time but on re-listen I was like that's a good analogy yeah that sums up the situation nicely yeah and poetically and I use the analogy of a virus being sneaky (laughs) (laughs) and I agree yeah I I think (laughs) I honestly I don't think we're gonna go too much into viruses no I'm not that's a whole other podcast yeah yeah yeah. that's another podcast so we probably won't be commenting I know it was like 90% of the podcast but there will not be too much information on whether viruses are quote unquote sneaky well yeah yeah, I mean, we could touch on what a virus is and everything, but we won't oh, go you, into you, its you character. You can do that touching. <laughs> we won't go into its character. <laughs> we will not be examining adjectives to describe a virus. Yeah. Should we yeah. dive into what a vaccine is? Yeah. Do you want to take it? Um, yes. Well, every single like information resource that I looked at starts with, to understand a vaccine, you got to understand the immune system. So mm. I understand the immune system. As I, f- I feel like everything I've learned about vaccines was listening to you at the first half of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm excited to see what you learn. All right, um, the immune system. So the immune system, I feel like everyone sort of basically knows what it is. It's, the, it's how your body defends itself against uh, pathogens, which are a broad category for organisms that are not, oh God, Mm. Yeah, Organism. the organi- organisms that are um, introduced. Yeah, yeah, not like <laughs> they're not invited. They're not human cells. Well, I guess some of them are invited because you can get some from eating some food. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> that's an invitation. <laughs> that is an invitation. We go into the legal semantics on whether a pathogen was invited. Yeah. Well, this is your area. <laughs> this is yeah. That's all law school's about. It kind of is. So we could. I would feel a lot more comfortable knowledge-wise if we like tangented into talking about trespassing and when somebody has rights to be on your property. Yeah. Should we do a, should we do a second half? Well, about that, that probably could like step into anti-vaxxer territory. Whether or not a government has the right uh, to tell you what you can and cannot do with their bo- your body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's moving away from my specific expertise about when you're trespassing, when you're not. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like that's trespassing. This is this is not on point. This is not concise. This is bad communication. <laughs> the immune system. It's a network of cells. I did Google what does an immune system look like because I was like, does it look like a liver? <laughs> yeah, like, is it a yeah, physical big chunk? A fair enough of your body. Yeah. So it's not. It's like 
it's, 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 a, it's a cell network. So cells which are all communicating with each other and they're communicating, they're identifying, some cells are identifying the pathogens and then other cells are producing a response. They produce cells specifically to attack. It's kind of cool to attack those pathogens and kill or disable them and that stops you from getting sick. Mm. And it's two lines. So the first one is where it like makes you have fevers and I didn't actually really look at the first line too much because the uh, a vaccine utilizes the second line of defense, which is your adaptive immune system. Mm. That's the part of your immune system which can adapt to different pathogens and learn how to fight them. And that's the yeah. part of your immune system which is like developing your whole life and the whole know, the many problems of the baby is... <laughs> <laughs> One of the many. <laughs> yeah. One of the big, uh, big like thumbs down for a baby is your immune system has not been introduced to many pathogens. <laughs> so it hasn't built up uh, it hasn't learned how to fight a whole variety and that's why babies are weak and I'll say it they're weak they are weak yeah they're dumb yeah, <laughs> yeah. but so and an immune system pretty much just takes no a vaccine takes what your immune system already does well at least the babies are weak and more that they haven't been exposed to these pathogens I don't think we need to really <laughs> yeah, clarify yeah, no, no, but I'm just clarifying it's like not necessarily weakness it's just like you know if you're producing all these memories on how to um, okay. if you're producing these memory cells on how to fight different pathogens a baby obviously hasn't been exposed to anything aside from what was in the stomach when yeah. it's born so it needs a while to like go out and like expose itself to a whole bunch of different things <laughs> <It's a pleasure. laughs> so yeah it needs to kind of like what we touched on a little bit during our allergy podcast about yeah. you know how kids need to be exposed to everything and just lick every surface yes. in order to make themselves and I healthy. I said that my mum did a good job and she's offended about that comment. <laughs> she doesn't like it but it's true. Um, so yeah so that is your immune system and a vaccine takes what your immune system does and uses that process to protect you preemptively against illnesses. Yeah. Do you want to pick up from there? Yeah so yeah so there's so it essentially um, when your body is exposed to a pathogen or a, like the word I think that is used a lot is antigen, like mm -hmm. the um, specific, um, let's call him the bad guy that comes into the body and shocks the immune system. Um, um, so when your immune system is exposed to it, um, it starts to learn it, understand it, get to know it, learn how to fight against it and creates a, a counteractive antibody to fight the antigen. Um, and in so doing so, um, can defeat um, the virus or bacteria or parasite or whatever has entered your body. Um, this can be a lengthy pro progress, though. Like, So your body does this naturally. Even without vaccines, your body, as soon as it's introduced to something, it starts like figuring out how it's going to destroy it. Um, but sometimes that process can be too long. You know, you go talking into, about days. Did you go into the um, like little mechanics of why? No. Because that was something that I found out that it was, I thought was interesting. So mm. pretty much what it is, is the antigens are the proteins that are on the surface of the pathogen. Yeah. And the body can, like the cells can detect them because they're a different shape from a human path, like the, what the proteins on a human cell. Mm. And what the white blood cells are doing when they're trying to figure out how to fight it is actually they're just, every white blood cell can produce a protein with a specific shape. And what the happens? Okay. I didn't know that. So, but what's happening is they're just producing the cells and then seeing if they'll stick to the pathogen because it needs to be the right shape to stick. And then mm. once they've figured out that, then they'll produce loads and they can all stick and that kills it. So that's kind of what the little process is. It's just trying to make the right shape. Yeah. 
And so that can take a long time. Have you tried to make a shape? It takes ages. Yeah. And it can take days. And sometimes those days are too long. And for someone who's very young and has a weaker immune system or for someone who is immunocompromised or pregnant or has diabetes or anything, mm -hmm. that could be the difference between life and death. So, um, and also some... Even surely some just healthy people. Yeah, definitely. Like, look at measles. Measles creates so much more damage mm. than, you know, it creates a thing called um, immune amnesia, where essentially your those memory cells that your immune system produces um, when it creates antibodies. So once, you, once your body has created an antibody to um, counteract an antigen, it remembers it and stores it in these memory cells, which kind of lay dormant in your body until it's um, introduced to... The antibody again, then it's like, I mean, the antigen again, then it's like, aha, I know how to defeat you. I've defeated you before. With measles, um, with immune amnesia, you lose a lot of those memory cells. So your body forgets how oh, to fight crazy. off other diseases or oh other infections. That's or other, so bad. Yeah. <sighs> so it's so much worse than just, Ooh, yeah. so, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you know, you just get over it and you get healthy and it'll be fine. But it can be doing so much more lasting damage. So you lose your you. other kind of inbuilt immunizations. Yeah. Yeah, Shit. from measles. So it's, it's yeah, those bad days could be the difference between, you know, life and death. Yes, but it could be doing so much more damage to your body mm. um, as you're going through that process of finding the right shape. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's kind of like, oh, so it kind of boils down to what a vaccine, the advantage it gives you, and what happens when you've got an immunization. It's not like you don't, you still get the pathogens in your body. It's just your body reacts so quickly to them that you don't even notice getting sick. So it's a timing thing. It just takes away. The time frame. Yeah, well, it also it's also not the full-blown virus. So a vaccine, a vaccine is No, a, no, but I mean, like, that's how it's working. Yeah, Like, that's yeah, what it's doing. Yeah. Is it just, it's doing it so much quicker, and that's why yeah. it saves you. And you might res you might get some symptoms, um, and I think that deters people sometimes from With vaccines. With a vaccine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because your immune system is the one that's actually producing the symptoms, not necessarily the, the virus or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so you might get, like, a headache or should nausea we talk about or phlegm. Uh, should we talk about what a vaccine actually is then? A vaccine is essentially training your body to fight off a particular antigen. So it's your body's still going to be doing all the work. So your body's still going to be producing the antibody. And with some vaccines, your body is even going to be producing the antigen. Um, but it's essentially giving it like a snapshot or a, a preview of what it's going to be coming up against. So it can rem learn how to fight it and then store that memory in these memory cells. So when the actual disease comes along, it's like, I've seen you before. I know what you're about. Here you go. I'm going to defeat you. And how we've learned to do that without introducing kind of the full-blown um, germ to the body is by creating vaccines. So vaccines um, come in different forms. They could be um, live attenuated, which means it's a weakened version of the pathogen that is introduced to the body. So it's kind of like it's like uncool, nerdy little cousin that it gets introduced. So your body still learns how to um, defeat it and create the right antibodies for it, but you're not exposing the body to the full-blown virus um, um, or disease or whatever it would be. Um, it could also be killed or inactivated. So it's still the same um, antigen that is introduced to your body, but it is killed. And yeah. so you just have the dead version lying around, but your body still produces the right antibody. So, um, and that's usually what happens with flu vaccinations. Mm. Um, then you also get other forms of vaccines that are a little bit more complicated that came around a lot later. Um, you get toxoid vaccines, which actually um, introduces um, uh, an antigen from the 
toxins that the virus produces or the disease produces. Um, and then you get um, subunit um, vaccines, which are like little bits and pieces of the virus that are introduced to the body, so not the full-blown thing, um, which I don't know a lot about. Yeah. The example that I thought was like maybe kind of understand it is so you can take a virus or a pathogen has got a disease-causing part of it. And if you take one of the proteins off its surface, that's not the disease-causing part of it, but that's the part that your body recognises. Like that's how the body's yeah. uh, immune system is working is it's recognising the little the shape of the protein on the surface. Mm. So you can take the little proteins and put them in and they're still going to have the same, like they're going to, the body's going to recognize it and respond. But so a whooping cough vaccine, they put in like three to five antigens. So little proteins from the surface of the whooping cough pathogen. Those are spike proteins. I'm not sure, but a whooping cough pathogen causing pathogen has like over 3000 on its surface. So that's gives you a sense of the difference in terms of the strength of getting a vaccine of whooping cough versus getting an actual attack by the pathogen yeah. of whooping cough. Yeah. So it's like three versus over yeah. 3,000. Yeah, and the trick in making the vaccines is making sure that you're exposing the body to the right antigen so it creates the right antibody to be able to defeat the <laughs> um, the virus or disease or whatever it is that is causing you pain. Um, so, yeah, it's a complicated science. And... This is where we come to my realization that I'll never be a doctor. <laughs> it was I, I thought it was really cool. Like I liked learning about it. It made me really proud of my own body. I was like, look at you go. You've got little cells in you which notice it and go, oh, that's the wrong shape. And you've got these like literally called attack cells, which get produced by the white blood cells to come out and literally just it's it's very when you think of it like a it feels so like a literal war. Yeah. Which is why everyone uses kind of war analogies for it. Yeah, I've seen I've seen like images of like the T cells and the B cells with like little helmets and little like Yeah, because um, it feels like that. that's stuff. what they do. They produce soldiers, which then attach themselves to it, which kill it. And then they have a, a YouTube commenter said they've just got like a bunch of cells hanging around that have war flashbacks when they see a particular pathogen. Yeah. That brings them back to the war they were in and then they start fighting again. Yeah, yeah. They wake up and they're Reference like, I know how to, to YouTube comment sections. <laughs> yeah. we'll put we'll the... Always acknowledge your resources. <laughs> The YouTube comment. Yeah. Um, So interesting. It made me feel body positive. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's good because it's it's, it's just kind of stimulating what you do anyway as your body. It's not introducing something that's doing it for you. So I wondered if that was something which would maybe calm, potentially calm um, anti-vaxxers down. Is like, it's not giving you a, you know, it's, it's just using what your body already does. Literally the process your body already has for fighting diseases. It's just utilizing that. It's just giving it a little sort of gentle flick to make it really start doing that. And I wonder if that would, if people understood that more, it would frighten them less. And I thought this because as I told you, my boss said she wasn't going to get the coronavirus vaccine. Yeah. So she was an anti-vaxxer and I was like, oh my God, here I go. It's time to, <laughs> this is my challenge. <laughs> one chance. And, yeah, they got my one chance. All right, Sharon, I mean, Laren. <laughs> and I don't think I did convince it, but what she was talking about, she was like, oh, I remember when the government gave all these women this thing and they had deformed babies, and that was true. We looked it up. But it wasn't a vaccine. It was like a drug that they gave a bunch of women to apparently cure morning sickness. Oh, I remember that. Oh, did you? Were, like, babies that were born with... Oh, I don't remember it because it didn't happen in my lifetime, but I remember hearing about it. Babies mm. were born without limbs. and Yeah, like, it was horrific. Yeah, yeah. So many babies were miscarried as well, sort of, you know, caused a huge amount of death. So that's horrifying. But I was like, do people like Sharon see, you know, to conflate putting a new drug into your body 
as opposed to making your immune system do what it always does and how like just using how the body's already working. I feel like those are quite different things. You know, like the fact that Sharon was thinking of those two things as the same and being scared of them for the same reason. Uh, yeah, I have heard that. Wasn't I don't know. I was like, that could be your problems that you don't actually understand sort of how natural seeming a vaccine really is. I mean, on the flip side of that, that could sound really scary. You know, yeah, like yeah. for people, you're, you're, I get that. You're, you're essentially causing your body to um, force a immune response yeah. to something. That could, that could, that could scare people I, well. I get how that's frightening, but I, I still feel like just knowing that it's what your body does also makes it less scary. It should be empowering. Yeah. It's, it's just what always is happening to you every single day. Your immune system is doing the exact same process. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I have like in reading a lot and reading a lot about anti-vaxxers because it's hard to skip that if you're trying to study about vaccines. Um, it seems like the real evil is not necessarily the anti-vaxxers. It's uh-huh. more the, um, the hesitant. And okay. that comes for a, a variety of different reasons. And one of the biggest ones that's cited is complacency. Yeah. You know, that oh, we essentially live in this world where vaccines are kind of overlooked. A lot of them get of us get them as babies. And we haven't seen a world in which, you know, your child can die of polio yeah. or die of, you know, uh, yeah. you know, there was like the informal mortality rate like 200 years ago was like 20%. That's such a high, high rate for babies. Um, yeah. And it's such a, it's such a different world that we're living in now. And I think, you know, one of the things that I was listening to, they quoted how people were lining up on the streets and celebrating for the polio vaccine, yeah. excited to get it. Yeah. Or, you know, how people in developing countries where they see the effects of all these yeah. diseases, like, you know, would travel for days to be able to get their child vaccinated yeah. um, against whatever it is that they're worried about. Um, there's just so many things that, you know, there, there's that that statistic of the mortality rate of um, children under five, mm. which is something that, you know, we don't even think about a lot in the no. kind of more developed world. And because we've gone a few generations where we haven't really been exposed to things outside of the news, we've become quite complacent. And yeah, there's also, you know, people being disenfranchised by governments and by big business and by medicine and all these horror stories. And it's just a, yeah. I did hear this thing, though, that a lot of people think that anti-vaxxers is a very modern kind of problem that's mm. not necessarily the case and I think one of the ladies that I was listening to um, was talking about how you know if you look back to kind of the infancy of vaccines with Edward Jenner who introduced uh, cowpox um, uh, uh, cowpox pus to his eight-year-old son or whatever the story was um, in order to um, uh, uh, immunize or inoculate him against um Smallpox. Smallpox. Um, that there was a cartoon that came out um, when, you know, there, it was becoming more kind of mainstream of um, uh, vaccinating or in, like at that time inoculating, which was slightly different, which you can get into after this, um, your child against vaccines because they were using cowpox or horsepox viruses, which um, because they come from an animal, they tend to be weaker or more attenuated than the human version of the virus. So safer to give, but, you know, your body is creating the right antibodies to fight against it. So it's effective in that way. Um, there was all these cartoons of people turning into cows or like Mm. growing, like, you know, uh, growing spots or turning into horses and growing hooves and stuff like that. So people have been scared or wary of vaccines from the very beginning. Um, There's always just going to be people who, you know, 
um, just are not contrary, but are afraid, essentially. Yes, we're not going to eradicate fear um, in no. the human population. And it doesn't help that there's been some, like, you know, I mean, one of the biggest so, uh, uh, biggest issues with anti-vaxxers, and they always source the same source, was that paper by Wakefield, I forget what his first name, but it doesn't matter, who was previously a doctor and has since had his doctorate taken away from him, who drew a definite line between vaccines and autism. I think oh, that's what right, a lot of people yeah. state. And that paper has been clearly debunked and mm. um, clearly stated as untrue over the years, but we still hear anti-vaxxers referring to the study. And the guy who wrote it, still does talks and he still twirls mm. and he still sells out and people still listen to him and everyone's like afraid. And, you know, and for someone who's not paying much attention, you know, if you hear in passing that something is going to cause your kid to have autism, you know, you're going to be like, oh, you know what? I'll just avoid it. Everything in my surroundings is not showing me that children are dying all the time. People seem to be fine. You know, I don't want my child to get autism, so I'll opt out of a vaccine. And it's kind of a combination of fake news and fear, but also just complacency. I was going to say, I think this could be a problem in New Zealand with, and I think of this not in terms of vaccines, but coronavirus, because it hasn't been bad here. It's had 25 deaths as mm. of now, and it's been largely controlled. And complacency is a huge issue because we just haven't, the government, it's like everyone's complaining because the government's, they're doomed. They've done too good of a job, so it hasn't been devastating. We haven't had mass death and mass infection. So people feel like it's not a real problem. Yeah. And I wonder if that's going to affect the vaccine rollout here. I wonder if in countries where coronavirus is a lot more impactful and caused a lot more suffering and was a lot more visible, people are going to be more willing to get vaccinated compared to a country like us where we didn't really see the effects. Yeah, I wonder so if, far. you know, it's I feel like New Zealand. in New Zealand, we're in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as of right now, um, they have just started rolling out the first vaccines. I think we got the Pfizer RNA vaccine um, to border workers, I think. And then it's going to move on to like essential workers and then to the general public. So that's where we are right now. And also as of yesterday, um, Auckland has been put into a lockdown because there's been a community case um, that is not contained up there. So, I mean, we're in a state where we're kind of reminded of, you know, the fact that it's there. We're all aware. We're not all just going about, you know, a whole city is in lockdown at the moment. Um but really, I agree with you. Like, we have become very complacent in the last year since we've had our initial lockdown. What I think the big thing around education is, is around understanding what, how your choice affects other people. Because, mm. you know, this moves into another thing about vaccines, which is herd immunity or community immunity, essentially where in order for a vaccine to work, you need a certain percentage of vaccine coverage. So depending on how infectious or if that's the right word, uh, a, a virus or whatever it is, is it depends on how many people need to be vaccinated. So herd immunity or community immunity takes, you know, sets in. Essentially enough people have been immunised where they create a barrier around people who haven't been, who then will not be exposed to the virus. And this is important because there's just people out there who can't get a vaccine. They're either too young, too old, maybe they're pregnant, maybe they have diabetes, maybe they're immunocompromised in other ways. Um, and it's important for everyone who is healthy and able to get a vaccine to do so because it's that's how we're going to protect those people who are compromised. Mm. And the more people who decide against it, essentially they're, you know, 
creating a new pathway for the virus to reach people who are compromised. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 it kind of feels harmless if you're like, uh, I'm not gonna get it, I'll be fine, I'll be healthy, which is what a lot of people said when coronavirus first sparked out and they had those coronavirus parties because you were young and healthy. It's just the education around just how much vaccine vaccine coverage is not about it's, the individual, it's about the group. Well I think it's also that that's that's just a problem with individual versus collective and many Western countries which have prioritized individual rights so heavily. Um yeah, I think it's going to be harder to get across. I think people are going to have less concern about the safety of a community as opposed to anything potentially infringing on their individual rights of what they want to want what what they want to do. Yeah. But anyway, I just I think it'll be interesting to see if New Zealand has more like ratio-wise more people not wanting to take the vaccine or more complacency compared to a country like England which has had a lot more impact from the virus. I think that'll be I wonder if it will be the case. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll have to have a part three of this podcast. Also to study (laughs) Just be like, yeah, it was bad. (laughs) To also correct all the things that we probably said wrong (laughs) in this half of the episode. Because again, we're not doctors, even though we sound very smart. Um, Um, I was going to say about the fear of getting vaccines. Do you know that people have been getting inoculated? Like they've been doing this for since 200 BC. Yeah. It's so unbelievably long. Edward Virginia, not the first. No, I mean, unless it depends on the. De- okay, definitely, Edward Jenner was probably not the first because um, there were so many people who were studying it at the time. And I think that's the thing with science that they like to name one person or one voice that who had the eureka moment. There was a a white man. Yeah, a white man. Yeah, but yeah, no, there was actually a lot of the people who were doing. So inoculation is the process of um, introducing like a whole live pathogen to mm-hmm. a person in order to cure them. Um, so in terms of smallpox, it was called variolation, where you would take a scab or part of the pus of smallpox and deliciously apply it to your children. Um, yeah, there was some famous American, I think Ben Franklin, who was like yeah. anti, anti-smallpox anti variolation and his son died and he was very... Oh, really? He was the first anti Pretty much like anti-vax vaccination conversations have been happening forever. Yeah, yeah. So he very famously was very regretful of that. Yeah. Um, because obviously his son died, no, you would so that you would feel bad. Yeah. But yeah, no, totally. And it was also, again, Edward Jenner is an Englishman, but a lot of this was happening in China, in the Middle East, in India, where mm-hmm. people were inoculating their children against smallpox. Yeah. Um, and I think Edward Jenner was one of the, you know, around the time it was more about, I think his like innovation there again was taking the horse or cowpox virus and introducing it so it was not... The it was not it was it was vaccination. So, it was, it was about a, it's a weaker version, right? Weaker version, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But totally. And there was also a lot of the people who had done the inoculation were women. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. I know that there was a, I can't remember her name, but there was a certain there was a woman who was high up. She was an aristocrat. She was a lady, someone, and she had been her husband had been posted, I think, in India, and had seen the practice of it and seen the success of it, and she had like lobbied long and hard to try to get. Uh, it introduced, and I think mm. the, I think some royal court did actually all get inoculated after. I can't, the facts are hazy, but like, yeah, she was a woman who was lobbying for it and trying to bring it into England yeah. long before Edward Jenner. So, and I think she had. I remember reading about it too. I also have hazy facts, but yeah. she had seen other women who would open the veins of children and introduce pus and stuff into it. Yeah, so oh, she was learning gross. from mothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, it so, sounds so unbelievably disgusting. Also, just think that you should be grateful that no longer having to take a pussy scab off a sick person <laughs> and then put that into your body, which is what they were doing. Yeah. 
I mean, and it was more successful than not, though. It was a safer thing to do on the whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, getting a – obviously there was a risk factor involved, but not as risky as getting the full-blown version of smallpox. And then when people like Edward Jenner came along and noticed that people who were around, like milkmaids and stuff who were around, animals weren't getting as infected, were um, also um, immune to smallpox. That's when, you know, getting um, the uh, antigen from animals became – um, quite prevalent. Have you kind of heard the sort of expression or like the idea that milkmaids are quite beautiful? I feel yeah, like, I think yeah. So apparently that came about because they didn't get smallpox because smallpox ravages, a, uh, creates lesions all over your face. And there's all these, like I saw some pictures of it and it, God, it looks horrible. Yeah. It is terrifying. It's it, what an unbelievably hideous disease to have. So that was kind of where that came from. There's a saying that apparently he hurt his little boy, which sounds a bit made up, but milkmaids were considered beautiful because they never got smallpox. So their faces never got destroyed by like the pockmarks. Ah. That's kind of why we've got that sort of like sexualized image of milkmaids or maybe like one of the reasons. Well, now we understand yeah. the why, you know, if they were like the ones who were immunized for a long time against smallpox, of course they would yeah. look so much better than yeah, someone yeah, without yeah. lesions on your face. <laughs> yeah. The hot girls in school were the milkmaids. <laughs> yeah, they were the ones without lesions on their faces. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, death around the corner, <laughs> which was very good. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, um, but that's just part of, I guess, because, like, Edward Jenner didn't notice it. Like, everyone sort yeah. of had kind of made the link that there was clearly something. But I guess he sort of put two and two together, and he probably also, he published the actual research as well. And that's where you yeah. get some credit. Yeah, and did, like, science around it, like yeah. he testing and that kind of stuff. He did. He was, like, he was a great man. It's just saying that there was a lot of other scientists doing the same thing at the yeah, same yeah, time, yeah. but I think it's just the one who, you know, yeah. one, one person's going to be named for it. Yes. Kind of, like, down the line, there was also, like, I think... There wasn't much after that in terms of vaccines. There wasn't much more until Louis Pasteur, who um, is accredited for doing a lot of work around attenuating um, antigens. Ah, you know, okay. how do we weaken them? Yeah. Um, he actually, it was funny, his job was he um, for a long time was employed. He was a chemist, but he was employed um, by um, uh, people in France to uh, – uh, work on diseases that were um, affecting vineyards, were affecting the grapevine. Um, so that's what he was doing. <laughs> and then he accidentally stumbled upon things like chicken cholera and that kind of thing and accelerated um, vaccine, um, yeah, um, antigen um, attenuation and that kind of thing, which is very important um, in terms of, yeah, creating vaccines. Um, I wanted to address a comment I made about space viruses. <laughs> I'm not super right, but I'm not wrong. There are a small community. I'm trying to find what they're called, but I can't find it. We love space viruses. Dot <laughs> <Yeah>. org. <laughs> so there is a small group of scientists who do believe that viruses do come from space. So I was not wrong, but it's not like a mainstream idea. I wonder how that came into your silo. Well, this could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. Tracing how the information that I spilled on the first podcast got to be there. I don't know. I think someone was talking about aliens and then someone was like viruses. And I think it came from that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like a completely ludicrous thing for Charlotte to yell out. No. Okay. No, yeah. There are some accredited sources that <laughs> there might be some viruses that come from outer space. Yeah. Because I think, well, they found out like, um, oh, not pathogen, like bacteria survives in space. Right. They found like evidence of bacteria on like comments and stuff. Maybe not comments. I don't, I don't think know. bacteria because then that would mean that we no, found have. extraterrestrial life. Uh, something. I think like, 
I mean, a virus is different because a virus is not a living organism. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's like a whole other path. Yeah. In terms of what comes down from outer space, because there are some people who believe that we've come from outer space. Yes. And this is not crazy people. This is scientists who believe that we may have Well, I mean, we did technically, because everything, you know, if you really go back, it all did come from outer space. Yeah, we were all just one big primordial soup that's clumped together into, like, solar systems and planets. So it isn't the most insane idea in the world. We're from outer We're made of the stuff of stars. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Carl Sagan told us, and we believe it. So therefore, all viruses was made at the center of a star. You are a virus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so... Another thing that I thought we should address is the whole thing about HIV and why that has yet... They haven't actually come up with a vaccine against it. I think they've they've come up with, like, treating the disease a lot better and made strides, but I don't think a vaccine. Not that I know of. There's been a lot of... Yeah. They've been been making a lot of strides, and apparently they're starting to think a vaccine might be possible, but the reasons that HIV has not yet come with a vaccine is... One, it attacks the immune system, so it attacks the cells, which produce the attack cells, which then will kill uh, the pathogen. So it's what it attacks in the body, which is the immune system. Also, it mutates incredibly fast. And because it's like a different pathogen, then the memory cells, the cells that have learned how to kill one or recognize one, don't recognize the new one. So that's made it kind of impossible. They haven't managed to make a vaccine, which is going to be effective against all of the like yeah. 60 strains that are like really prevalent. So it's it's just an incredibly tricky virus itself. Yeah, it's kind of like flu. Like we have a new – flu is incredibly – like it mutates uh, all the time. So we have a new, yeah, so we have a new flu vaccine every year. Oh, That's we? why we have to keep getting our flu jabs. And it's oh. very important because flu I is don't. tricky I've and never mutates. Had flu jab. It just doesn't attack your immune system I'm quite the problem. like HIV does. Yeah. Especially when it turns I've into – I've never had a flu jab. Really? Nope. Huh. Yeah. Complacency. We should, yeah, we were too complacent. <laughs> Do you get flu vaccines? I, um, I haven't had a flu jab in many years, but I did have a really Gabby, bad case of flu a couple it. of years ago. And then I'm very for flu jabs. <laughs> Everyone who's listening right now, just stop what you're doing. Drop whatever you're doing. I know it's not the season. <laughs> Go get your flu jab, which is really important. I need to get my final HPV. Yeah. Oh, but it's tricky. Like, there's, there's, I, think, I think a lot of people think that, like, obviously, you know, you know, bacterial diseases are different to viruses and viruses are different <laughs> Obviously, to like, guys. cancer, Get a which brain. is like, there's different, like, yeah, like, you know, a lot of people are like, why we don't, don't we have a vaccine? You know, some things are trickier or harder yes. to um, create a vaccine for than others. Yes. Um, I was talking to Mitch earlier about malaria and why it's so hard to get a malaria vaccine. Yeah. And it's like, it's a parasite, uh-huh. you know, and they haven't really created a vaccine similar to that before. It also attacks the liver, I think, and that's oh, tricky. It? And I don't know right. why, but it's tricky because of the liver. Yeah. yeah the liver is tricky, um, tricky, tricky. Also, like, also that's a, that's a, you know, malaria is mostly an issue in third world countries. So there's yeah. less money and less research going to those kind of things as well. Well, So there's so many different factors. And that was the thing about the coronavirus vaccine, because like that was another point my manager had was it, they made it too quickly, and it's been like it's been too like happened too fast. But that was because every single person who could make a vaccine on the goddamn planet was going to try to make a coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a third world disease; it was attacking yeah first world country. So obviously, it got a lot of priority. It also we were just at a place, I think, in terms of our research around vaccines to make a vaccine quickly. Mm. So I think one of the bigger innovations there was looking at DNA and RNA vaccine. So the vaccine that were just introduced to New Zealand is an RNA vaccine, um, and it just so an RNA vaccine is different to. Um, the other vaccines that we mentioned earlier in this podcast, 
because instead of introducing um, uh, attenuated or a, a portion or a, a toxoid or whatever it is to the body, it actually like codes in the blueprints. So your body produces the um, antigen to then create the correlating antibody, which means it saves researchers a lot of time because they don't have to grow the pathogens in the mm. lab. So even though there's been a lot of, you I feel know. like they should be less like, scary as well if you're not, you know, Yeah, people. well, back in the day, you'd have to, like, find a sick person, you know, yeah. find. You know, and the, but, I mean, there's they're, not, a lot they're of, not putting in that wasn't, the pathogen. Just, yeah, but it wasn't just, you know, there was a lot of things that, like, there were a lot of innovations, um, I think, after the war in terms of being able to grow pathogens in the, mm. in the lab and that kind of thing. But this, like, completely cuts that out. Um, I don't 100% understand how it works, and I don't intend to for the scope of this podcast, <laughs> but it was also that everything kind of lined up neatly, that we were just in a place in that research, and because we had this time crunch that people were willing to take a risk and been like, all right, let's create, let's use this research, let's use um, mRNA vaccines and create something. That's the Pfizer vaccine is right. the mRNA vaccine uh, that got introduced. So it's a, a combination of like, so less discovery time because you don't have to wait around for your pathogens to grow. Um and say, do you more know money and time and effort and brain power put into something? Are all of them RNA vaccines? I don't think so. Okay. Hmm. So some of them are using like still using the pathogens? I, I I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's But like, the one we're getting is RNA. Yeah, the ones that have been introduced in New Zealand, I think, is. Hmm. I'm not hundred percent sure. I didn't actually go into coronavirus stuff that much. I was way more interested in polio <laughs> than I was. <laughs> um but yeah, just the kind of touching on how um yeah, it's kind of interesting. Some things like seem really accelerated in terms of like the RNA vaccines and like all these like new innovations in terms of delivery and, and in terms of how it's like, you know, how we can move away from a flu jab because that's an, a jab, sorry, or a needle because that's something that deters a lot of people from getting vaccines. So there are other oh, ways yeah, that we, we so get true. patches that have lots of little needles that you can't feel that like, you know. That's uh, exciting because to be honest, if they removed the needle, there's, I would 100%, it's stupid, 100% be like more proactive about getting yeah. vaccines because I hate the needles. And that's actually something that's been highlighted as an issue. Um, <laughs> Completely. So, yeah, there is a lot of innovations around there. Um, and other things that just seem very kind of archaic, I'm sure they're not, but like how, you know, like the um, the pathogens for the flu virus are still grown in like chicken eggs and then they're like harvested oh, there yeah. and then they're um, uh, they're they're inactivated or killed through heat and then that's how we make our flu jab. So some of that feels a little bit like... Little, I kind of love smoky, but you know, I love how easy. That's why I mean, I feel like the thing with vaccines is actually very simple. Like once you kind of basically understand what's happening, I kind of like that you can see. It's not, you know, it's pretty clear what's happening. It's yeah. not baffling. I do back, I do back and forth a lot with that thought because I think in researching this, I was like, I get it. Then I was like, oh, I don't get it at all. And I was like, wait, what is a B cell? What is a T cell? What is you know a T-cell. white blood cell? Like what is like? And then I would like, I don't know. I was like thinking about this morning. I was like. In terms of education being the tool to combat anti-vaxxers, is that really, you know, what is it that we're looking at? Um, Mitch made a point that it was probably like critical thinking that is important to teach as opposed to like science communication. Um, that is but, what schools are meant to be teaching. That is like the yeah. curriculum is to teach critical thinking. Like when, it's because I'm dating a school teacher, when kids are like, I'm never going to need to learn Shakespeare. It's like, no, you're not, but it's critical thinking. That's what you're doing. Yeah. It's just the material, idiot. So when you're, you know, introduced to, you know, being able to understand data, being able to understand, you know, uh, who to listen to, like which regulation body to trust or that kind of stuff. It's really, it comes down to that. I don't know. Like paranoia is going to be like, especially government 
Um, I can see why Americans are so paranoid about it. Especially like Big Pharma, such a terrifying, destructive force. Yeah, and also like Americans are so complacent. I mean, look at the the, the measles outbreak that happened a few years ago. And so that's, you know, there's air. So, you know, a lot of people look at the data and been like, ah, oh, there's enough um uh, there was enough vaccine coverage to mean that measles shouldn't have been an issue and there shouldn't have been a problem. But that data is taken from looking at um, America or other countries as a whole. But when you narrow down to small communities, mm, that community, wasn't. it's not it's yeah. not the same percentage. It's not this like 95, no. 98% vaccine coverage. You're probably looking at a lot less than that. And so this community immunity or herd immunity doesn't take place. And so something like the measles, which is so infectious, could affect mm. so many people so quickly. Um, so it's like being able to understand data, being able to understand what's and understand the risks that you're presenting, I think is really important as opposed to having to understand how vaccines work or what a virus is or what bacteria is. And like, mm. you know, cause that's, that's a big ask I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Especially like you're busy. <laughs> you are busy. But I do think like the basic of like. It's using your, like, I feel like that thing about the immune system and kind of just using what your immune system naturally does, that is mm. not hard to understand. Like, I knew that already. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, that can still be scary. It's a hard one to know. I think it can be scary, but, I'm like, you can know that. I mean, as as evident in the first half of this podcast, I clearly did not know what a vaccine was. Yeah. But I would be very, like, very much, like... I would never present myself as an anti-vaxxer. I would just mm. kind of trust the systems around me that this is a thing to do. And it's, you know, I would have heard of herd immunity and I would have heard of those things and I would have done the right thing and been, you know, you know, get my coronavirus vaccine, do all the right things, do my part, be a citizen, but not necessarily understand what a vaccine is or how it works. Yeah, yeah, I know. It really does. This is what I don't I think mean. It, yeah. It's emotions. It affects irrelevant facts of never change anyone's mind. I feel like the last couple of years have really proved that. Yeah. Like humans act on emotions, not facts. Yeah. So that's to conclude. Facts are um, you're not going to win a fight with facts. You're going to win a fight with guilt, and guilt tripping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emotional manipulation, powerful tool. Yeah. Gaslighting. <laughs> Um, so we, I think we wrap off with gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to wrap off. Um, do you have any other? Oh, wait, one more thing mm. I wanted to say. That uh-huh. I now know the difference between a paladin and a pangolin. <laughs> oh, what's a paladin? What's a pangolin? A paladin. Oh. So a paladin is, uh, so we, we touched on this in the first half where we were surprised. We looked, we Googled photos of pangolin after the podcast or after we re-listened to the first half of the podcast. But yeah, a paladin is a knight. Oh, yeah, 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 D&D. yeah, D&D, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry <laughs> for everyone who was confused or trying to learn something from the first half, and then a pangolin is uh, like a scaly anteater. It's very cute. Yeah, very cute, very endangered, especially in China. Oh, no. I know, people um, use it as, well, we went into that oh, in We've been cursed half. by it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, going to call coronavirus the pangolin's revenge. Um, yeah, <laughs> or the bat. We can't forget the bat. The <laughs> bat was in the bat. there, too. Um, and just to wrap off, if anyone has stuck around for this long, um, we are trying to do things a little bit differently. Um, there are many things that we want to achieve with this podcast, like being able to buy another mic so we can interview <laughs> an expert. Maybe even look at things like um, potentially following up with a blog post where we interview actual experts and we actually correct things from the second half of the podcast. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that um, we want to do. So if you want to support us, um, you can find our Patreon 
which is um, this podcast is produced by Enough Cake Podcasts. So you can find and support Enough Cake Productions at www.patreon.com slash Enough Cake. And that's where you'll find us and um, you can support us there. Um, sorry, this is such a terrible plug. <laughs> <laughs> We it's, need money so we have better. We can employ a social media person, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a person to do our plugs for us. Yes, I want to. This is a horrible of plugs. Yeah. Cool. Oh my god! Interruption on the podcast. All right, podcast ending. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.